Hey, what's up, survivors of spiritual abuse and wounded friends? Brandon Dempsey here, and uh, want to talk to you today as I am right now on my own commute and this morning, getting to my destination. And it's a beautiful Friday. I'm joining uh, the blue skies and uh, all the, the beauty that is here in this planet that God created and just uh, happy today and I hope that you are too hope this message finds you well even if maybe you might be in a place where you don't feel so well but through these broadcasts uh, that's what I'm hoping to bring to you to give you some encouragement uh, real quick news we are going to be speaking on uh, our next season of the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast unveiling this fall so be sure that you are subscribed to this podcast so you get the new episodes when they drop so today let's talk about a new term i learned just yesterday as i'm going through my instagram feed and i stumbled upon an author went to his site downloaded the book reading it through and the phrase i learned is called toxic positivity toxic positivity have you ever heard about that I haven't and I thought to myself you know what what is toxic positivity <laughs> that's such a uh, oxymoronic clash between two words uh, you hear me talk a lot about the toxic church toxic people leaders and then how to leave those toxic environments. And then when you hear the word positivity, at least for me, I think of encouragement, nice words. And then I thought, oh, that's what they've done to combine. It's the sweet kindness that kills people, right? Kill them with kindness, you've heard that phrase. Well, that's actually so true and even more so when it's used in a manipulative context by religious right nationalist people sorry to call it that way but I'm just calling it what it is and the Christians who are really just modern day Pharisees so here goes toxic positivity what is it it is the pressuring of survivors or regular members to look on the spiritual bright side and basically toxic positivity is uh, as said another form of manipulation kind words that people use however the motives are not so kind so they say kind words up front with an unkind motive to get you to do something that they want for their personal gain so you hear like pastors or religious leaders they may say things like well this is God's will now I'm talking about like in the in the event when something happens that's bad or wrong or uh, tragic or trauma um, even as something of, of like a, an honest mistake like you spilled a cup of coffee you know and people look at you and say oh well maybe it's 
I'm, I'm like far-fetching it here. Maybe it's God's will that you spill that cup of coffee so you can demonstrate your servanthood of how to clean it. See how that works? Oh, man. It opens up a whole new dynamic, which I'm sure you've already heard a lot of these phrases, but deep in your gut you thought, you know what? What they said wasn't right. But on the surface you're like, well, but they meant it in a kind way, and I guess it's okay. But you and I both know, and the Holy Spirit knows, it's not okay. So, other statements would be from the ranges of, well, just pray about it. Or, here's the famous one I always talk about, well, maybe you should have more faith. Or, Jesus cares. I hear a lot of that, you know. It, you're sick. Well, Jesus cares. Well, that person over there is destitute, and they really need a lot of help. Well, we're not going to go over there because Jesus cares. Jesus knows. He knows their needs. Okay, that's toxic positivity. They are veiling the operation of their words to do destructive things by making it look pretty, beautiful. So, here's the deal, okay? It, I mean, we know, for those of us who, you know, you believe in Jesus, you have him in your heart, you're living, you're alive, and you know that God is already in control of all things. So, okay, then when you hear this toxic positivity, well, it's God's will, uh, well, I mean, it's stating the obvious, right? Like, the, like a typical Pharisee. We already know that God is in control. But when we say things, when, when the leaders say things like, well, God is in control, God will take care of that. Well, God this, well, God that. What, what they're doing is, do you see it's, it's a silencing that they're trying to cover you with to keep you from talking? I mean, because when people, I mean, think about it. When you say something that your emotion wants to get out, you may be mad, you may be frustrated, you may be hurt, you may feel like you want to cry. But then when you hear things like, well, but Jesus saves, or but, but Jesus will take care of you, or, or God doesn't want that of you, is this God's will that it happened to you? Well, number, it does two things. Number one, they're trying to tell you to stop talking because they don't want to hear it. And number two, it also comes across like, well, you should be ashamed for how you feel because your emotions are not right. They, maybe, how do we know that you prayed about having these emotions first before you let them out? Well, who are they? Who are they, the emotional police? I tell you that they, they act like they are. And these are the very people <clears throat> that Jesus confronted in his day because it was so rampant. It's so easy, right? Just to tell people, oh, well, God's in control. I mean, that's a cop-out, of course. It's so easy to say that, but what they're really doing is they're just saying, shut up. That's what they're saying to you. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. We're going we're gonna to pray for you that God fixes your emotion in your mind and fixes you so that you don't talk like this again. Because why do they not like to talk? Have you ever asked that question? Well, why don't they want me to talk? Why don't they want me to express my emotion? You know why? Because sometimes when people express their true emotion, whoever is listening, you can't help to think about your own emotion and your own spiritual or mental state. 
it brings that into question also. Because when a person listens to someone else's hurt, and if they really listen and provide support, it's called empathy. It means you stop thinking about yourself and you start thinking about the other person. But to a narcissist, they start thinking about themselves and they start thinking on the inside of, well, what do I do to hide this? Because if they're exposing their own emotion, they may expose mine. Or they may expose something that's wrong in the church. Or they may expose this or may expose that. And other people will look down on me. This is optics, people. This is all about optics and auditory. We want things to look good. We want things to sound good. We want worship to look great so that no one knows that we are screwed up as a church. Am I right? So that's why it's called toxic positivity. Now, this doesn't mean, let me just say this too, that it doesn't mean when someone uses positivity, uh, toxic positivity, <laughs> it doesn't mean that we succumb to their statements. And it also doesn't mean that we deny our own human emotions, suppress our own anxiety, anger, sadness, or grief. By the way, if God made us human with human emotions, why do you think he put them there? It's like what I used to say in all my workshops. If God writes the Bible and we find all these different emotions in biblical characters, namely I think of David and the Psalms, why did he put them there? Why did he build David with all those emotions? And why did David why the hell did David had to write about these emotions and talk about how anguish and grief he was? Well, think about it. Don't you I mean don't you believe that if you really get in touch with your emotions, you're really getting in touch with God? Because isn't isn't it that those emotions draw us closer to the Lord himself, that he uses them to guide us towards confession so that God can wrap his arms around us like no one else can and say to us, it's okay that you're mad or angry. It's okay that you're crying because I'm here. Didn't Jesus say, I will never leave you, never forsake you as orphans? Well, then why do we try to dress it up and lie and deny about it and act like it doesn't exist? Because it forces us not to look at ourselves and our own problems. You know why? Because religious leaders don't know how to fix them. They can fix everything else in the church. But when it comes to the human heart, oh, no, that's not my job. Uh-uh. We're, we're going to hire somebody else to do that in the church or create a committee, a, a prayer chain. That's a great idea. Let's create a bunch of people that can pray and make things sound holy and good so that way we can say to them, yeah, you know what, we'll send our crew over there to pray for you and it makes us look like we're doing a good job and pat ourselves on the back because after all, we are doing the Holy Spirit's work, aren't we? Wrong. You're manipulating volunteers for a job that you should be doing anyway, pastors. I don't believe it at all. I reject it completely. When you have a pastor or a religious leader or a minister that say to you, well, no, that's just too messy for me. I don't get into that people business. I let the uh, executive pastor do that. I call BS on that. If you were a minister, a pastor or a leader, or a committed volunteer that, check this, God's qualified you already, and you are in ministry, it is your job to be 
a helper and an aid healer for people. I don't buy the BS when pastors say, no, that's not my gift. I, I, don't, I don't like to pray for people or I don't like to go help them. I just like to preach from the pulpit. That's my job. That's what God's called me to. BS. Then get out. Get out of ministry. That's what I say. Why? Paul said it. This is why Paul said many of you should not become teachers. Why? Because you're not good teachers, because you have nothing good to say. Or if all that you have good to say is to make yourself look holy while you bring other people down in their own misery, that's not what a pastor should be doing. And many of you, including myself, have been hurt by these kinds of people who, what do they do again? Admit and express toxic positivity. They make it a practice. Now, if we want to talk about um, another side called toxic healthy support, it's pretty much the same thing. It shields people from engaging their emotions. No matter how spiritual that person may be telling you, no, 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 you shouldn't cry. No, 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 we're not going to, uh, we're not going to let you express that grief. You know why? Because they're in heaven and, uh, and it's okay. Here's the deal is that these religious leaders take out, they take out the whole human element that God built us with these human emotions. Grief, sorrow, shame, guilt, they are a part of human, uh, they are a part of, it's a part of life to go through these different cycles or stages depending on what a person's been through. Let me ask you this, did Jesus ever shame the woman at the well? I mean, we know that. We know that uh, he said, you know, he who cast the first stone. But did Jesus ever shame the woman? You should not be feeling this way. All these men are circling around you. Aren't you embarrassed? Have you prayed about this yet? You know, God is in control. I know you've had seven husbands, but God is here. I'm here. Jesus, I will heal you. No. In fact, much of the time, it was when hardly Jesus said a word, but what was comforting was his presence. His presence that he gave to people generously, lavishly, why can't we do that as a church or leaders? You know why? Because it takes too much effort. And when people say, well, that's just too spiritual. I can't go that deep. You know why? Because they have their own trauma in their lives that holds them back. And that's why they can't do it. It's like parents who'd rather give their children all the things they want in the whole world, but yet they withhold from them mentoring and coaching and loving and unconditional uh, nurturing. They rather not get, help guide their children the right way, but allow other things of this world to entertain them so the parents don't have to teach. I mean, it's what it is. It's the same thing. No, Johnny, tell you what, let's just get you all this great stuff in the world so that way you never have to ask me questions, but that you always know that I'm here for you because I give you money. Okay, that's abusive. It's abusive. And what leaders in the church and what they're doing is abusive also. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you've been spiritually abused or you know somebody who have. And this is why 
I broadcast all these messages. And it's about to get more real. So, I, I hope that I said something today that really hit home. Because here's the reality. Jesus, there's a reason why he said, weep with those who weep. This is also the underlying reason why churches are not good at receiving other people's pain, much less than helping survivors in their own abuse. Healthy Christian support helps people identify with their pain, let them know that they're not alone, and that they have a real God who can sympathize with real pain. And it's okay. Because everything else, if you can't accept it, is complete bullshit. That's right. I said it because that's what it is. Paul called it rubbish. So, filthy rags. Where do you think the filthy rags came from? He said these things because this is what the church is doing, and which is why my lovely, beautiful bride would always say, why do you think Paul wrote so many letters? Yes, because he's trying to address the church out of what they're doing and to help guide the church in the right way. So Paul wasn't backlashing and bad-mouthing the church as much as he was also trying to guide them through his own conveyed kindness and love as best as he could. So, there it is. Uh, that's my talk today on text toxic <laughs> positivity. And we want to turn this to real positivity, to healthy positivity. And I hope that today I brought that for you as you listen to this message. So thanks again. Guys, uh, I'll have more messages drop on this podcast and getting back to some more recordings, which I can't wait. Thanks for joining me here. Again, please subscribe to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast and drop me a comment. Uh, join me on Threads, which I'm interacting a lot more daily there and still on X a little bit, you know. But look, I like Threads a lot better than X. That's just my opinion. Either way, you find me socially, Confessions of a Worship Leader, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, and YouTube. Thanks again for joining, and uh, love you. See you back soon next time. Bye.